when I make changes in, the, in things in this ministry, it's because there are things that I have allowed. And then when I find out that I allowed that to happen, and then the Lord showed me the word, then I got to line everything else with the word. Do you understand that? Yeah. All right. A lot of time you do things in the church, and you think you're right. But when the word comes, it straightens all out. All right, so let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 3. We're going to start reading with verse 12. We're going to read that to verse 18. Now, if you have not been here, we have been ministering on this. We're going to continue to minister on this because we're trying to get to a place in this ministry where we, we come to a place where this ministry become a teaching ministry. And that's why I keep saying over and over, everything we do is teaching. We're showing other people how to do it. If once we become the model, I believe that's what God's doing here, is making us out of a model. Once you have a model of something, and then, it, then God will say to people, uh, you need to call Pastor Crump. Because not only Pastor Crump know this word, then the people that go here know this word. Ain't that right? Yeah. All right. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 12, let's go there. It says, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech, and not as Moses was put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not satisfy to look to the end of that which is abolished. But their minds were blinded, for until this day remain the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament. Which veil is done away in Christ? But even unto this day, when Moses read, the veil is up on their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now the Lord of that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, you may take your seat. So, Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise, all the glory, all the honor that's due to your name. Thank you for your blessings. Thank you for your mercy, your grace. But we also thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit, making us one of your children. We honor that. We praise you for that. We appreciate that. Thank you for divine grace. Thank you also for divine protection. Thank you also for divine provisions. In the blessed name of our Lord Jesus, now we thank you for your wisdom and knowledge and understanding. And then thank you for opening up our eyes so we can see, understand the wonderful things you have put in your word. In the blessed name of our Lord, and all give God the praise, say amen. amen. All right, now, uh, we have been talking, we have been talking about some things in this word, and so... We come to a place that in this, while we got to the second chapter, we have gotten ourselves on some things concerning the veil. I'm not a person who likes to pass up things. I don't think there's anything in the Word uh, that I get to that I want to pass up. Now, when I first started the Word of God, there was a whole lot of things I got to I wanted to skip because I didn't understand any of it. But this word veil has kept coming up, so the Lord has put me there. Last week, we talked about seeing the end of that which is abolished. Seeing the end of that which is abolished. Now, we saw that came from uh, verse 13, 2 Corinthians 3, 13, said that not as Moses was put a veil of his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which is abolished. Now, Moses represent the law. So that's why Moses put a veil of his face. Because Moses represented the law. So otherwise, when Moses would turn to the Lord or go in to see the Lord, he took the veil away. But when Moses went to see the people, he put the veil of his face. Because Moses represented, one more time, everybody. The right. So the law only can be unveiled... It's when you come to the Lord. 
Once Moses went to the people, the law went to the people, the law is concealed, veiled. So that's why I'm talking about seeing the end of that which is abolished. They couldn't see the end of that which is abolished because every time Moses would turn to them, he would put a veil of his face. Now, I'm going to talk about today, give you the next part. The next part today is Christ is the end of that which is abolished. Christ is the end of that which is abolished. We talked about last week seeing the end of that which is abolished. Today, we're going to talk about Christ is the end of that which is abolished. I got five things that I want to get to in this teaching. I'm like spinning my wheels because I'm not getting far, but I believe this being profitable. I gave you those five things that we want to see that has been abolished. And I believe once we see that those things have been abolished, then you're going to understand why Pastor Crump did what he did. So if I'm you in a ministry and I do things like take away the communion table or take away the baptism pool, and then you, you, you get this church, if you don't know why I took those things away, there are people still hadn't come back. They just couldn't handle it. They wouldn't sit around and wait and see why. They just, they, they talk to other folk. That's what happened. You go to another pastor, and another pastor going to tell you that Pastor Crump Church ain't even a church no more because they took away the two ordinances. I'm going to show you today that ordinances does not make your church a church. As a, as a matter of fact, it's just the opposite. Once you add the ordinances, you make the word of God a non-effect. The cross makes your church a church. Let me say it again. It's the cross that makes your church a church. Without the cross, you have no church. Everything that the church became, it became at the cross. You were saved by the cross. You have eternal life because of the cross. Yeah. Principalities and power were destroyed at the cross. Amen. Everything happened because of the cross. See, that's why Paul came and said he glory in the cross. Well, you can't glory in everything in the church. You got to find out what things that need to be there and what things need not to be there. And that's what we had to find out. Now, I wish I had found this out 20 years ago, but I did not. But when it came to, when the Lord showed it to me, as I grow in grace and grow in the Lord, then I began to see that that's, that's works. That's law. We don't need that. That's how you have to do. That's the same way you do in your own home. There are a whole lot of things you accumulate in your own house. One day you sit there and say, why am I keeping this? I don't need this no more. Amen. Until the Lord show you that, you're going to stick it right, keep it right up in there. All right. Now, what I want to do today, I want to go to Romans 10. We're just going to uh, share some things with you. Because, like I said, if you go to other people, they're going to tell you, uh, you know, that's, they're, they're not even a church no more. So let's go, let's look at that. Let's look at that and see if that's true. You know, it's an awesome thing when folk lie all the time. You have to proofread them. Otherwise, you have to go back and hear what they said and then prove it by the word and you see they lie. See, somebody lied to them. They lied, they, they lied to me. I've heard that before. I don't know, have you heard that before, but I've been in the church a long time. Uh, like I said, I've been in ministry 40 years, 35, 35 in pastoring. So I've heard people tell me there are two ordinances that makes up the church. There are two ordinances that you must keep in the church. Am I the only one I've heard that or is there anybody else? Can you just wait? You've heard that before. Two ordinances. And then the two ordinances they told you that you have to have in the church is communion and water baptism. How many have heard that? Well, we want to go and see if that's true. We want to see that the Lord leave two ordinances and remove the rest. That's what we want to see. So let's go to Romans 10 and 4, and then we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 2. 
And we want to look at uh, Ephesians 2, and we want to look at verse number 15 in particular, because we're headed to our message. And let's see what did he abolish. Here, the Bible said, Christ is the end of the law. Now, when, when, when the Bible said law, he's talking about everything under the law. So you have to understand that he's talking about everything that's under the law. Now, you have to understand that all these things made up who Christ is. I think that's Psalms 19. I'm, I'm going to I'm just going to see. Hope this. Hope I can fall right on it here. I got a new Bible I'm breaking in. Yeah, let's do that. Let's let's do this first. Romans ten. Then we're going to go to Psalm nineteen. Thank you, Lord. Christ is the end of the law. Now the word law there is Old Testament. See, once you got, once you left Old Testament, you came all the way to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and now Christ started his ministry. From there, he gave you grace and truth. So you have to see the progress. That's why things, scriptures like Luke 16 and 16, you can write these things down, we'll go to them. But Luke 16 and 16 means so much to me because it let me know that the law and the prophets had to end. But when it ended, Christ began. So here, the Bible said Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believe it. So he's not, he, didn't ex, he didn't exempt you or me. He says for everybody. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Otherwise, you can't get right by doing this. All right? Now, I gave you Ephesians. We're going to go to chapter 2, verse 15. We're just going to move about. Ephesians chapter number 2. And verse 15, and we're just going to show you in the word, uh, can you do that out of the King James? There we go. Having abolished. Now, this is what Christ did. Now, I gave you the word that we are dealing with today is called abolished. If he abolished them, what do that mean? Can I bag up and put those things up there again? Because we have eight things now that we want to make sure we put on the screen that means abolished. If it's abolished, what do that mean? We want to look at all of them. We want them to put them on the screen. There they, there they are. If something's been abolished, it's been what? Put an end to, make void, to destroy, fulfill, complete, finish, done away. So all those things mean that's what Christ did. So that means we're going to have to put down Matthew 5, 17, because that's going to have to be one of our scriptures. So if Christ did that, and he did then I must understand, put one more down. We're going to make it eight. Accomplish. Accomplish. So if Christ already accomplished this, fulfill this, put an end to it, fulfill all those big words, why are we still doing that? It's your point. The only reason we're doing it, we learn from tradition. We learn it from people who are in tradition. So we're going to talk about the day. Christ is the end of that, which is abolished. So what I got to know, what's abolished? There it is. Abolished means to put an end to. So what did God put an end to? If he came here, what did he put an end to? He came here and did something. He came here and, and fulfilled something, made it void, uh, uh, completed it, finished it, done away. But if he did finish all this stuff, why are we still doing it in the church? That's what my heart went out about. That's why I wanted to know what, the, what those things were. So I'm going to be going to them the day I gave to you before. You can write them down because we're going to leave some room because we're going to give you a lot of scripture under each one. Number one thing he fulfilled was the law. I know we're going to go back there. I'm just going to give you these. Then he finished sin, death, Hell, now the King James used the word grave, but the same word grave is the, is the, is the word hell, H-E-L-L. -L. Then after that, Satan, which is the devil. 
Now those are things has been done away with. But if you don't know that Christ came here and defeated that, fulfilled that, then you still think it's still going on. All right, now, let's go to things that I've given you already. Here we go. Ephesians 2.15 says, having abolished in his flesh. Now, we know if he did it in his flesh, he had to do it on the cross, right? So having abolished on the cross, even the law of commandments, he did it where? Where was he at when he did it? Right, so you have to see his work on the cross. That's why we glory in the cross. See? So on the cross, when Jesus died on the cross, he abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments. Now you want to write that down because he told you it was the law of commandments. I'm going to go and show you that they are commandments, they are statues, you know, they are different words that you're going to see that's all of those things, ordinances, see all of those things are under the Old Testament law. So when I go to Psalm 19, I think, I've, I, think I will see them. But anyway, let's, let's do this what we got in hand. Now while you're there, why, did you see what he did? He abolished in his flesh the image and he called them the law of commandment. Then he said they were contained in ordinance. So all the ordinances represented the commandments. So if you started out here in the Old Testament and you walked inside of the gate into the tabernacle in the wilderness or into the temple that Solomon, either one of them, when you walked in, there would be an altar where they would kill the animal. Then when you would go a little further, they would have what you call a brazen altar, which would be a, a brazen lava, I'm sorry, not altar, lava, which is called the baptism pool. In that brazen lava, it was also called the sea, S-E-A. So if you, you study the word brazen lava, it would call the sea, S-E-A. Now the sea is what you get the book of Revelation when John said, and there was no more sea. You probably got there and you wonder, what are you saying that for? He's talking about that brazen lava. All right. Then you move to the next part, you will go inside of what you call the holy place, which has purple curtains. And that first part you went into, they had a place on the your left, would be on the right if you're coming out, which would be seven golden candlesticks, which represented the church. In the middle, there would be right there in the middle, an altar of incense. It was, in the book of Revelation, it's called, where the prayers were the sins of the Lord. That had to always be burning called an altar of incense. But on the other side, they had a table of showbread. In that table of showbread, they had 12 stacks of bread that the priest had to replace every day. He had to take, the, take them off, eat them up, whatever he did with them, put 12 more stacks, because that was the showbread. Table of showbread. That's what we're doing here with the communion table. All right, then they took the blood once a year into the next section, which was called the Holy of Holies, in the very presence of God, where God would meet the high priest at once a year to make sure they didn't, didn't have any more sin for another year. All right, we're going to see that when we get to Hebrew chapter 10, verse 1 through 9. Write that down. That's, you can put that in line with everything we got going. So here it says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, then he told you what they were. They were called the law of commandments. Contained in the ordinances is what he abolished. Now, let's go to Colossians, and let's see one more. Chapter 2 and verse 14. Before we go into wealth, let's go to Colossians 2, 14, and let's see if this is what he's going to tell us. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 14. Now, I want to do is read this one verse, then I want to back up and do out the good news, verse 13, 14, 15. But one verse in the King James, and that's verse 14. Then I'm going to do Colossians 2, 13, 14, and 15 out of good news. Here we go. Blotting out. What, this is what he did. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, the Old Testament writings. Blotting them out, the handwriting of ordinances. 
Do you see an S on ordinances? That means all of them. That was against us because you was under law. That was against us, which was contrary to us. Then he's going to tell you what blotting out is. He took it out of the way. Oh, I still don't get it, Lord. He nailed it to the cross. I, I don't know what, you know, God just like, I want to make sure you get this. First of all, he said he blotted, somebody say he blotted it out. Blotted it out. Then he said he took it out of the way. He nailed it to the cross. Now, can't you see the same thing he told in Ephesians 2.15? He abolished in his flesh. So in the, while he was on the cross, this is what he destroyed. So let's go and show you these same three verses out of the Good News Bible. This is what God did on the cross. Watch what he says to them, because they were on the law. You was not. You were at one time spiritually dead. Now watch what he tell them. You were, all of us used to be spiritually dead, but at the cross, he brought us alive in Christ. Watch when it happened. You were one time spiritually dead. How many times? One time. Don't forget it's one time. See, not only that, but you can't get rid of sin but one time. So if you can't get rid of sin but one time, why do people go and get baptized again? Because they don't think they got rid of sin, right? Why do they take communion every week? Because they're dealing with sin. Baptism deals with sin. Water baptism deals with sin. You're trying to get rid of sin. The Bible told you you only got rid of sin one time and you did not do it. He did that at the cross. All right, now watch what he's going to tell you. Watch what he's going to tell you. You were at one time spiritually dead. Now remember he said one time. Because your sins, because of your sins. Why were you spiritually dead? Well, if he already raised you from the dead, then you cannot be spiritually dead no more. And you cannot have sins no more. Because you were spiritually dead because of your sin. I'm going to show it to you again, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. See what's happening here? You're just hard to believe. That's why she sang that song today about believe. All two, or three, two songs on do believe. You just, oh yeah, I believe. Do you really believe? See, that's the thing. Now the word comes, do you believe what it's saying? You were one time spiritually dead. Spiritually dead means separated from God. You were separated from God, why? Because of your sins. Now, if you're not separated from God now, it's because you don't have no sins. Hold it right there. You ain't ready for that. Go to Isaiah 59. See, the key with the word is when the word comes to you, what do you do with it? You can't believe it if you don't have God's faith. You can sit out there all you want, but if you don't have his faith, you can't believe nothing. Look at Isaiah 50, 59, and we're going to start reading verse 1. I'm going to mark your Bible. You can look at it a little later. Just want to go to uh, uh, two verses. That's all I need. Isaiah 59, just two verses. All this is good, but I don't have a two verses. Watch what he said to Israel. Why was there a division or separated from God from his people? What, what caused it? I just told you, spirits are dead. Let me just show it to you. Let me show it to you again in the Old Covenant, see? Behold, the Lord's hand not shortened that he cannot save. Otherwise, not anything wrong with the Lord. And then it says, neither his ear heavy, nothing wrong with his hand, nothing wrong with his ears. That he cannot hear. Ain't nothing wrong with God. Why God ain't hurt me? Why God, ain't nothing wrong with God? The next verse is going to tell you why. This was to Israel. Your iniquity, your sins have separated between you and your God. So why would they cut off from God? Because of their iniquity. You understand the iniquity of sin? The next verse is going to tell you sin. See, some of y'all don't believe in iniquity of sin, so he, that's what I like about King James. And your sins... What are iniquities? Right. And your sins has hid his face from you that he would not hear you. That's all I needed. I'm just showing you the word. Now let's go back to Ephesians, I'm sorry, Colossians 2. We read out the good news, verse 13, 14, and 15. See, that's what keeps man from God. And then we keep crying. That's why I keep telling you the number one thing to make sure you are in the body of Christ, make sure 
that, that you are God's son, and to do that, you must have the Holy Spirit. But once you have the Holy Spirit, you don't have the sins no more. See, we can't put that together. We got, no, no, I still got these sins. No, you just keep me doing wrong, messing up, because you don't want to live right. You agree with the Holy Spirit, walking against the Spirit. That's all you're doing. That don't mean you're not a son. You're just hard-headed son. Amen. So you got to understand something. You got to learn how to walk in, walk in the spirit. Not after your flesh. So you can be born again and do stupid stuff. Ah, okay. You don't have children, huh? Okay, keep on living. All right, here we go. We are, here we go. You, you, at one, you was at one time spiritually dead because of your sins, see? If you, if you had sins, you were what? Spiritually dead, see? And because you were Gentiles without the law, see, we didn't have the law, we were without the law, but God had now brought you to life. Watch, what, watch when you were brought to life. You were brought to life with Christ. When did you come to life? See, some of y'all can't grasp it. That's why you must have his faith, understand his word. <coughs> Excuse me. You was not brought to life this morning. You was brought to life 2,000 years ago. That's why you have to have faith to believe it. But God has now brought you to life with Christ. And then he doesn't stop there. He said, God forgave, past tense. See, the New Testament is in the past tense. Not past tense. I'll stop there. God forgave you all. That's all I can see. I'm waiting on another part. God forgave you all what? Come on, everybody. God forgave you all. Right. So all your sin been forgiven you, right? He canceled the unfavorable record of our debts. Remember the wages of sin was death. So he canceled the unfavorable record of debt with its binding rules, the ordinances. And he did away with it. Those, all those ordinances, because we couldn't keep it nowhere. Watch what he did. It completely, he completely, by, he, com, he did it completely by nailing it to the cross. I'm just showing you that. Now, the next verse is what I wanted. And on that cross, Christ freed himself from the power of spiritual rulers, authorities. He made a public spectacle, made a show of them by leading them as captives into his victory. He led them captives in his victory. Now, you have to understand his victory procession. So that's why when you read Ephesians 4, he said he led captivity captive, gave gifts on the man. Let's go to Ephesians 4.1. So you have to understand, all of this is what God did for you. Ephesians 4.1. So this is why the word of God is so important. He said, I therefore, Paul said, the prisoner of our Lord Jesus Christ beseech you that you walk worthy of your vocation. Now your vocation is your calling. Wherewith you are called, walk worthy of the calling. With all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbear one another in love, and endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There's one body, one spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, above all, through all, in you all. Paul from Alabama. No, Mississippi. But under every one of us is given grace. But it's according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Am I in the right chapter reading here? He led captivity captives. I think I'm there. Okay, I get there. One, one God, okay. Wherefore he said, all right, that's what I want to get to. Wherefore he says, when he ascended up on high, can you see what happened? When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive. All that he had captive, he led captive, and then he gave gifts on the men. Now, we know what he did he led captivity captive? Well, the Bible just told you he spoiled principalities and powers. 
made a show of them openly. So all of these demonic spirits, he defeated them all in his own death. Somebody say amen. amen. All right, but that's not all. That's all I got for today. Now, let's go to Psalm, okay, Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were to John. This is why I love this verse so. The law and the prophet were to John, but the Bible says, since that time, the kingdom of God is preached. Now, I'm going to get to that a little later on. I think I went to it a little, little early. But the law of God and the prophets ended when Christ came. So that's why he said the kingdom of God, because we know the kingdom of God is Christ. Right? Now Christ is preached. The Old Testament couldn't say Christ is preached. It said the kingdom of God is preached. Right? Jesus could not preach Christ. He had to preach the kingdom of God. Because that's who he is, right? All right. Now, Matthew 5, 17, watch what Jesus said. Think not that I'm coming to destroy the law or the prophet. I'm not coming to destroy, I'm coming to fulfill. Now, that word, that's why I'm using that word fulfill, because that word fulfill has to do with finish, complete, put an end to. So I come to put an end to the law. I come to fulfill the law. Can everybody see it? I come to accomplish it. Everybody understand that? All right. Now, because of that, we want to get into some, do I got anything? I think I got Psalm 19 I want to see, right? Psalms 19. I don't know what all I got out there, but I know this is one of them. Let's go down and read verse number 7. I'm not going to be able to read that. Well, I know you got Hebrew 10.1, Okay. I get that next. Okay, let's do it. You, you on it? Let's do it. But I just need you to put up what I got. You don't want to know what I got. All right, here we go. Hebrew 10 1 says, The law having a shadow was the law. See, the law, if you listen, it's telling you what it is. See, so all these things that they had the baptism pool, the communion, the foot washing, the circumcision, uh, the lamb, the turtle dove, the pigeons. Uh, all of this stuff that they had for, for, for offering, all that stuff was shadows. Type and shadow of that which is to come, which will be Christ, right? Right. Praise the Lord. They used, they used blood just like when Jesus, you saw that with Abraham. When Abraham was going to kill his son on the altar, then God gave him a, another lamb. God had prepared himself a lamb, but he gave him a, a so another ram called in the thicket, right? And Abraham used that one. What was that? A substitute, right? Right. It was a shadow of what was to come. But when it got to the cross, God did not use a lamb, right? He used a real man who was called a lamb, right? But a lamb over there was a type and a shadow. So you have to use all this natural stuff was just a type and a shadow of what they used for sanctification and all that kind of stuff. But you don't use that now, Christ and his blood now, right? Amen. All right, now let's move on. Now, it says, back at verse 1, because I, I need to see that. Hebrew 10 and 1 is where we're at. Everybody know where we're at? In the book of Hebrews chapter 10, uh, I look at Hebrew as the priest, the priest book of the New Covenant uh, that was given to Israel. Hebrew chapter 10 and verse number 1. It says, for the law having a shadow of good things to come, not the very image of the thing, watch what it says though, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the commas thereof unto perfect. Online the word perfect because you got a teaching going to come soon about when that which is perfect is come. So you got to understand what that means. I can't give you no more than that. Okay, verse number two. For then, it couldn't make the, the comma there perfect. What you mean, Pastor? For then would they have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers once purged. If they was purged, they should have had no more conscience of sin. How many times they were purged? Once purged. Once purged. So why would they have to do it every year? Because they couldn't get rid of their sins. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance 
again made of sins every year. So that's why every year they had to do this. As If you look on the calendar, they got something what the Hebrew does. And in that calendar, they have you, Yom Kippur, they'll have days that will come and they will go all the way 45 days until they get to uh, when Jesus died. All right. For it is not possible. Verse number four. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls, goats should take away sins. Now, if that's not possible, then also it's not possible for water baptism to take away sin. Because all of his law, what's the difference and all of those animals killed and slaughtered can't take away sin. Water can't take away sin neither. Because if it could, why would Christ come? So it says it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh, then he's going to get right to the point. When he cometh into the world, he says, talking about Christ, sacrifice and offerings thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. Watch what he says. In burnt offerings, remember burnt offerings was Ephesians, talked about that in burnt offering, uh, and in sacrifices for sin, at Ephesians 5, 2, it says, in burnt offerings and sacrifice for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. That's why Christ became our burnt offering. Christ became our sin offering. Amen? Then I said, or Christ says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written to me to do thy will, O God. Now, my point is, if he came and did the will, let's see what he did. I say he came and did the Father's will. I said he came and he did the Father's will. All right, let's see what he, let's see what he did. Above what, he, what you read in the first seven verses, when he says, sacrifice and offering, but offerings and offer for sin, thou would not, neither had pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then Christ says, Lo, I come to do thy will. Here it is. He taketh away the first. Now, if you have been in, in, in Christ any time, you only know you only have a new, Old Testament and a New Testament. And the Old Testament was first and was based on Adam as the foundation. The New Covenant is second and it's based on Christ as the foundation. So he taketh away the first. So that's why when you get the 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45, can we go there and come right back? You ought to have your hand in probably five places by now. 1 Corinthians 15, I think it is, verse 45, I think, whatever. See, see, he told you what was first and what was last. Bag up one verse, verse 44. 1 Corinthians 15, 44. See, he, if you read the Bible, he'll tell you what was first, he'll tell you what was last. 1 Corinthians 15, 44. And that's what we want. He's going to tell you the, the different body. It's sown a natural. See, you got a natural body. There's a spiritual body. See, that's why you have a natural body. Once you get saved, you have a spiritual body. All right? There's a natural body. There's a spiritual body. All right? Keep going. And so it's written, the first man, Adam. Here's the first man. Adam was made a living soul. But the last Adam, see, you got the first and the last. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. All right, we know that's Christ. But the next verse he says, how be it that was not first which was spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. So what do we have in Old Testament? A natural covenant that God made with man. What do we have in the New Covenant? A spiritual covenant that God made with himself and not man. You understand that? God cut the covenant on the cross without you. That's why you can't mess this up. You can only believe it. But in the Old Testament, he made the old covenant with a man. All right. The old covenant was made with man, not, with God, not by God's self. That's why man messed it up. He couldn't keep it. The first man of the earth, earthly, the second man is the Lord from heaven. All right, then it says, the next verse, I'm just reading, and as it is earthly, search of the also that are earthly, as of the heavenly, search of the also that are heavenly. The next, last verse, 
as we have born, that word born means one, we are one the image of the earthly. Now this is so plain, isn't it? Why do you still want the, the body in the grave? Just listen to what he told you. If we have won the image of the earthly, we also shall wear the image of the heavenly. So why do you need that one again? You go, you go on and get yours, though, okay? Don't let nobody stop you, girl. All right, let's move on. But once this is gone, I don't want it back. Amen. See, some of y'all ain't, still ain't sure. I want mine back. But go get it back. You won't be able to go get it back anyway. All right, now, Hebrew 10, 9. Then he says, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. He came and do God's will. What, what, what did he do? He, he, it is so plain you, can, you, have to, you have to slap your side, don't slap your neighbor, but you have to slap your sister and brother's side of the head for them not to see this. What did he do? He took away the first. Took away the first what? Come on now, what was the first? I just told you they didn't have a two covenant. Y'all still like what, what he took away. I tell you the answer. He took away the old covenant. See, he took it away. How did he take it away? By fulfilling it. Remember I gave you a bolus? He took it away. That's one of the words of an abolish, right? Put the, put all the, put the bolus back up there again. See, when you got to know these words, so when you get down here through the Bible, and he say he took some away, you won't be like, what did he do? What did he do when he took it away? What did he do with it? That's what he mean. See, down there, number seven, say he done away. Well, if he done away, what did he do to it? He put an end to it. He accomplished it, right? Amen. All right, so you still have it. It's just you can't use it no more as for doctrine. All right, now let's go back. Then he said, Lo, I, I come and do thy will, O God. He take with the first that he may establish the second. Now, what is the second? What's the second covenant? We just got through studying that in 2 Corinthians 3. Let's go show him that again. 2 Corinthians 3. We're done with that. You can move on from there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3 because this is why we're trying to show you this. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, we, we, we was on this for how, how long? Go to verse 6 for time's sake. Who also made us able ministers of the New Testament. He said it's the New Testament. He's going to tell you what the New Testament is. Watch what it says now. Able ministers of the New Testament, now the letter. What is the letter? Law. Right. Don't just say law, it's the Old Testament. We know, it's, we know that too, but it's the Old Testament, it's the letter. Right. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Now, if the Old Testament, he took away the, the first, the Old Testament, then he left us grace, but he told you not of the letter, but of the Spirit. Then what do that make grace? See, some of y'all still like, I, I, don't, I can't. You got to be saved. That's why I say you got to be saved to get this. I don't know why I spent a lot of time in this area, but because, you know, waiting for you to say something, I have to move on. Right? I know some of y'all don't say too much, you know. But at least say amen or something on the word. <laughs> Let me ask you again. What did it say? Not the letter, but of the... Right. Did that, that didn't hurt did it? Did that hurt you? Right. I'm, I want you to get it so bad, right? Right. Not the letter, but the spirit. Then it said the letter kill it, but the spirit does what? So when I preach to you Christ, the new covenant, what is God giving you? Life. That's all I'm trying to get to you is life. But if I preach to you the old covenant without the Holy Spirit, I'm giving you death. All right, that's why all I want to show you. There's two covenants. One, one you're going to get life. So if you're going to sit up under somebody who don't know the word, they preach to you the old covenant, tell you this is what you got to do, then they give you death. Because that's works. All right? Now, let's move on. Is there anything else out there I got, first of all, before I, need, before I move on? Anybody got anything I need? Psalm 19. Okay. Go to Psalm 19, go to verse 7. Because in Psalm 19, verse 7, he's going to give you all of them. Verse 7 says the law. If you just underline just the first word. The first word says the law, the law of the Lord. Go to, verse, go to verse 8. The statue of the Lord. Oh, they have, they put more in one in one verse. Go back to the next verse. Bag up, bag up. I, I saw the testimony. See, if you look at them, they got all of them in there. 
You see, they got the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. Then they got the testimony of the Lord. How many of that too? Now, you're going to mark your Bible, one, two, right? The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the simple. Then go to verse 8. The statue of the Lord, that's number three. They're right, rejoice in the heart. Then the commandment of the Lord. See, that's how you have to see all these because you have to know what he means. What is he saying this for? He is showing you the tabernacle in the wilderness. Because if you walk through every one of them, you can see. If I go all the way back and say the law, I'm way out here where they kill the lamb at. But if I go to the next one, go in the holy place, go all the way, you're going to see all seven steps. Number one, let's, let's go back through them again. The law of the Lord, the testimony of the Lord, the statue of the Lord, we're in verse 8 now. The statue of the Lord, then the commandment of the Lord, that's four. Now go to number five. Next verse, number verse nine. The fear of the Lord. See, that's why you didn't have the fear of the Lord in your covenant. The fear of the Lord is clean and doing forever. Then there's the judgment of the Lord. See, that's why you don't have no judgment in the new covenant. Ah, pastor, did you hear what you said? No, I didn't say it. The Bible said, Romans 8 and 1 said, there therefore now no condemnation. You need to know condemnation means judgment. Amen. See, if you know what it means, then you won't, you won't fuss. That's what condemnation means, is judgment. There therefore now no judgment to them in Christ. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. You need to look that word up. I thought I was going to have to minister that in this series. To them which in Christ. All right, let's go back. Psalm 19. Everybody understanding this, how this work? So in Psalm 19, you see those steps. Go to verse, verse 10. If you, We didn't get the 10. That's what we were. We did 9, I think. Verse 10 says, more to be desired. Go back to 9 so we can, we can see. The fear of the Lord is clean and doing and ever, forever. Then the judgment of the Lord. Was, how, how many did I count? How many did you count? Six of them, right? What is the number six? What is the number six? Let me ask you another question. Who is the number six? Maybe you ought to hear that one. All right. Man is the number six. So this is what God did for man. So if God did it for man, God means number seven, right? Can't you see how that works? All right. God did it for man. That means one did it for six. Okay. All right. Let, let's go to work. Now, I'm done with that. I'm done with that. Can you get a little big hand for what you're learning today? Thank you. All right. Now, I, I'm showing you that God has ended. Go to, go to uh, uh, Hebrew. I'm sorry, not Hebrew. 1 Timothy 1 5. 1 Timothy 1 and 5. Word is good, amen? First Timothy 1 and 5. From here, I'm going to give you a definition. From that, I'm going to give you a definition of the word ordinances. Then I'm going to go to, write this down, Exodus chapter 12, verse 43 through 47. Exodus 12, 43 through 47. We're going to go to First Timothy 1 and 5 first. Then we're going to go third, 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. I'm doing all this just to get to my message. All this is good, though. All right, now watch what Paul going to tell Timothy. Remember I gave you Romans 10 and 4. How many remember that verse? Christ is the what? End of the law for righteousness, right? Well, if at the end of the law, remember I saw you in Psalm 19, all the different ones separated. The law, the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, you see them all, right? The fear of the Lord. I just, you told me it was six of them. Now I, I tell you what they were and you. All right, now I'm going through the Bible. He's showing you how he broke them down. I showed you Romans 10, for Christ at the end of the, the law. Now, the end of the commandments. Now the end of the commandments is what? I wonder y'all look up, because it's on the screen. When y'all get ready, let me know. What is the end of the commandments? 
Everybody. Charity. And what's charity? Love. Right. So love is God, right? Back to Christ again, right? So really, Christ is the end of the commandments. He said to Timothy, the end of the commandment is charity. Well, if the end of the commandment is love, then when you Christ came, that's the end of the commandments. Come on now, when I get to it, I'm going to show you what, what was, why did God give us the commandment. See, if you know why God gave you something, then Christ came, you don't need that no more. Read that one verse out of the good news for me. I'm going to wait for you to put it up. 1 Timothy 1.5. Then from here, we're going to go to Galatia, chapter number 3. Because something I want to show you right now. We're going to go to Galatia, chapter number 3. And we're going to look at verse 10 through 14. And then 19 through 20. So we're going to read that much. You can put that down. Galatia. Watch what he tell you about the purpose. Now you read it out of the good news. He's going to use the word purpose. The purpose of this order is to arouse the love that comes from the pure heart. He said, this is what God really loves. This is what God wants. See, in the end of the commandment, so you... So now he's going to desire from you a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. See, you don't need the commandment anymore. That's, I just want you to hear that that way. He ended the commandment. The end of the commandment is this. See, when love came, God wants a pure heart. God wants faith now. See, he doesn't, he doesn't want law no more. Amen. You got that? All right. Now, where did I tell you we're going? Galatians 3, 10 through 14. Then I said I'm going to skip from Galatians 3, 10 through 14 to Galatians 3, what? 19 and 20. There you go. Let's go there. See, the Bible told you why he did stuff. For as many as of the works of the law, watch this, they're under the curse. Now, when you say under the curse, when I showed you in Deuteronomy, I don't have time to go there right now, but in Deuteronomy chapter 27, it gives you all of the curses. Deuteronomy 28 give you all the blessings, and if you don't get the blessing, then all the curse will come. Those two chapters. For as many as under the works of the law, under the curse, for it is written, curses everyone that con- continue not in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. So if you're not doing these things in the book of the law, you put yourself under curse. Isn't that something? But... That man is justified, but no man is justified by the law. No man is justified by the law. No man is made righteous by the law. So otherwise, if you tell me you was water baptized, you still could not be made righteous by water baptism. I've been circumcised. You can't be made circumcised and be righteous. Well, I take communion. That's not going to make you righteous. I mean, I just want to make sure you hear it, you seeing it. My job is to make sure, I'm not trying to preach to your church where you came from. I'm trying to make sure you're free. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Bible said the Lord, there's spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's what? Amen. If the spirit of the Lord is there, then you ought to say something. Amen. I mean, if you can see it, the whole thing says seeing then. So when I ask you, do you see that? Have you ever, if anybody ever seen, uh, well, let's move on. But that no man is justified by the Lord inside of God is evidence that just shall live by faith. So why did God give you faith? Amen. So you can live, right? You live by faith eternity now, not just now while you're here. That's, you got to keep that eternity. Right. And the law is not a faith. So you understand why you don't need, you can't do the law no more? That's not a faith. So watch this. The commandment, if I'm up here eating bread, that's not a faith. Because the law is not a faith. Now the Bible tells you whatsoever is not a faith is sin. So if I'm here, keep giving you the communion table, and he told me that's not a faith, that's the law. So I'm going to show you what, why did God give us the law. And the law is not a faith, but the man that lives in them shall do them. If you're in the law, you're not in the law. Okay, let's go down there, verse number 19, I think that's what I want to get to. I may have to read more than that. Because that's make, I want to get to the purpose of the law. 
Okay. We in Galatia now, right? All right. We just going to keep reading then. Isn't that right? If I'm going to go right down there, right? I'm in Galatia chapter 3 now, right? I said I want to go to verse 19. Okay, let's go to verse 19. I think I'm going to run right over it. Yeah, that's going to get me. Verse 19. That's where I'm supposed to be at. Wherefore then serve the law. Watch this. The law was added because of transgressions. That didn't include you. Because you could not, if you don't have no law, you don't have no transgression. So the law was added because of transgression. How long will the law go for to last? Till the seed shall come. See, some of y'all look, but y'all won't say nothing. It says seed, one word. You in this ministry, you know the seed is Christ. Come on. It says, till the seed shall come. Who is the seed? Christ. Christ. So has Christ come? Exactly. So watch this. It said the law was added. It was added because of transgression till the seed shall come. Well, the seed already come, then I don't need the law no more. I don't need the communion table no more. Christ came. Can, I mean, you can just, you have to just be able to see. Can you see that? If you're born again, you're supposed to be able to see. Because you was blind, but now I see. Wherefore then serve the law. It was added because of transgression to the seed, till Christ should come, to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator, now a mediator, not a mediator one, but God is one. Verse 21. Is the law then against the promise of God? God forbid, certainly not. If there had been a law given which could have given life, so the law couldn't give you life. Verily, righteousness should have come by the law, but the, but the law couldn't give life. Now, if the law could not give life, that man that had been water baptized and think he's saved, he still don't have life. Amen. That's what bothers us and we don't want to say nothing. Amen. And that's where you're going to have to learn how to speak up for the truth. How is that person going to ever know if you don't accept? If you've been water baptized, think you got life, you don't have life. You got to be bold enough to tell people. If you know, you have to be bold enough to tell people the truth. They can argue with you all they want to, but if that man needs to be ministered to, you got to minister to them. But you can't think they right just because what they said. You got to know that's wrong. Put the bill again. But the scripture that concluded all in the sin, that's, it was 21 is what I had. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. God forbid. If, but if there had been a law given which could have given life, Verily, righteousness should have come by the law. Otherwise, you can't give life by the, by the law because the law does not have, the law is not a faith, the law does not have the spirit. But the scripture has concluded all in the sin that the promise by faith of Jesus Christ may be given to them that what? Believe. They have to believe. Well, believe what? What do they have to believe? Let me sit down somewhere. Now, y'all got to know what you believe. You got to know what you believe, right? Because this is all we talk about in this church, Christ, death, burial, and resurrection. So when I say, what are you supposed to believe? I'm checking you out. I'm your pastor. I'm checking you out. So when I see you never saying nothing, I'm wondering about you. You don't understand. Your pastor is ministering to you. So when I'm asking you questions, I'm trying to see how you, do you know you're saved? Don't be a mm mm-hmm. I don't want to hear no mm mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm checking you out. And not Santa Claus. Checking it twice. Come on. Now, here we go. Before faith came. Now, faith could not come until the gospel was preached. So that's why Jesus Christ kept asking the children, how is it that you had no faith? Because they were with him every day, and he was preaching the kingdom. But they could not have faith yet. 
because Christ had not died yet. Do you understand? Right. So when he died, then they got his faith. So you have to preach Christ's death, burial, and resurrection to get faith. Now my point is, this person say he was water baptized. Does he have faith? How did he get it? See, you can't get faith unless you believe the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That's the gospel. Until you believe it, you don't get the faith. And that's why so many people go to church and they do everything in the church, but they don't have faith. And because they don't have faith, they, they are not a son. Because if you was really a son of God, God gave you his spirit. What spirit? The spirit of faith. He made you a believer. You can't be a believer just because you get water baptized. You're not a believer just because you take communion. Okay, put my verse stuff up there so I won't have to. But before faith came, we were kept on the law. Can't you see the law all the way down to faith? The people in the Old Covenant, they were under the law. If you're under the law, you're not under faith. But they were shut up under the law until faith came. And faith came, faith had to be revealed. So otherwise, if the man's not preaching Christ, faith still can't be revealed. Because faith can only come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if you're still not preaching Christ, you can't get faith. See, this is what happened. People just sit up in the church and doggone it just makes me mad because I see them don't know and won't even believe. And you know they're going to die and go to hell. Ain't nothing you can do about it. And that bothers me. When you could just believe. That's why Paul told Timothy, save yourself from this untoward generation. You got to save yourself. Amen. I can only preach it to you and throw your lifeline. That's all I can do. You got to grab it. I can't make you be saved. I can't make you believe, but I can tell you how. I can throw you the lifeline. You got to reach out and grab it. Pull yourself on in. Come on, bump somebody and say, reach out and get this stuff. Pull yourself in. Tell them you got to pull yourself in. Listen, you can't sit there and expect somebody else to pull you in. Man, if you drowning and I throw you a line, brother, if I got to hold this line, I'm not going to die because I'm going to pull this, I'm going to pull this boat everywhere it goes. I'm not going down. I'm, I'm coming out of here. That's what the line is for. Once somebody throw you the line, your job is to catch hold to the line. I may not be able to swim, but I can pull. Man, this ain't no game. You don't, if you don't, this ain't no game. You die without being in Christ, your soul going to hell, man. Forever. Ain't no coming out. There's no, no trial. There's no... Well, I don't. I won't change my mind. I don't want this. No, you, you, you got that. That be you now. Did I finish that verse? But before faith came, we we'll go down to verse twenty-four. But before faith came, we were kept on the law. We were shut up until the faith which should afterward be revealed. See, faith has to be revealed by preaching Christ. Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster. The law was just what? Our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. So why did God use a baptism pool? Why did he use a, a, a ladder, a brazen ladder? Why did he use a why did he use the cross? Why did he use all this stuff he had to bring us to Christ? To bring us to Christ. Once you come to Christ, you don't need it no more. Come on, put it on the screen. I need to see where I am right now. See, once, once you came to Christ, you don't need that stuff no more. But after faith has come, we are no longer, we're no longer under schoolmaster. We don't need the schoolmaster no more. That's the law. We don't need that no more. For you all now the children of God by faith in Christ, not by the law, not by taking communion, not by washing, not by feet clipping, toning all this stinking stuff in the church. You can't come to Christ because you wash your feet. 
You can't be made holy and sanctified to just cause somebody to wash your feet in the church. Man, help me, Lord. See, all of it is nothing but, I like the way Paul said, Paul said, I counted all as dung that I may win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness. That's my righteousness. I washed my feet. I took a shower. I took a bath in the pool. Are we getting anywhere? My time is up. I thank you for yours. Thank you for listening to the Dora Faith Ministries podcast. I hope this message was a blessing to you and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. If you're listening on iTunes, be sure to give us a five-star rating. Also, be sure to find us online at www.mydoorfaith.org. That's www.mydoorfaith.org.